in Matthew chapter 27. If you want to turn with me, we'll just read one verse as our text. But in Matthew 27, verse number 26, we deal with um, with this thought, the substitute. And I'll say this in case I forget it. Well, I thank God that there was a substitute on my behalf. <laughs> We're going to be reading about Barabbas. I don't really know that much about old boy. But I think I can put my name right everywhere where it says Barabbas. I think I can probably put my name there. I think somewhere in uh, Luke he calls him a notable notable prisoner and uh though I wasn't a prisoner as far as the world is concerned brother Lee I was a prisoner to sin shame Matthew 27 verse number 26 I do covet your prayers today <clears throat> I have headaches nearly every day but Thursday, I had a migraine, and um, I've not had a migraine, and I couldn't tell you how long, and it has affected me, and it still is, is just, it's messed me up. And so, I ask you if you would to pray for me as I try to preach today. And verse number 26, then released he Barabbas, and, uh, then released he Barabbas, unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, I'll not say much about it, but get it. This is Pilate, and Pilate released Barabbas unto these Jews, specifically the, the Sanhedrin or the, this religious group of people. And as he released Barabbas, he scourged Jesus and delivered him to be crucified. You get that. Get the weight of what has happened here. I went uh, again this morning and I went through the, the story of the crucifixion in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you find, especially you get to John and you get to Luke and you find uh, a couple different names that are involved, but relatively they're all the same, the same order. Uh, they, Jesus was delivered from the garden to the high priest in the middle of the night, and then when it turned morning, they delivered Jesus to Pilate, and Pilate, Luke says, I believe it was Luke, Pilate found no fault in him and delivered him to Herod, Herod found no fault in him and delivered him back to Pilate. And then Pilate was forced to make a decision uh, because of the feast. He had to release a prisoner and uh, he gave them an option. He gave them the worst option that he could possibly give them. He gave them the option of Barabbas and Jesus, who he found no fault in who his wife came and said, don't do anything with this man, Jesus, because I've had dreams all night. I've been tormented about this man, Jesus. Don't mess with him. Do him no harm. But his plan backfired on him as far as the, he thought, Brother Kurt. 
But if I can get outside of my outline, Brother David, that was God's plan all along. <laughs> Whoopee! That was God's plan all along. Because somebody had to be set free so Jesus could take his place. So Jesus could become sin for us. So he could be crucified because he knew that he would be cursed upon a tree. That had been prophesied. And so all of these things had to take place. But it's interesting to me how that they did. But you find that these characters of the crucifixion going back to Judas... Then you're going back to Peter where he, uh, he was very bold there in the garden and he cut off the ear of the priest servant and, and then you find him following afar off and then you find him denying the Lord three times there by the fire. Uh, then of course Jesus, you cannot forget Jesus in the crucifixion, but then you have, uh, you have Annas, which is the father-in-law of Caius, the high priest. Then you have, of course, Caiaphas, and then Herod, and then you have uh, Pilate, and you have Pilate's wife, and all of these, they they end up kind of intertwined, and their stories uh, are intertwining, but it ends up this morning with our thoughts being on Barabbas, and on Jesus. And as we compare the this criminal named Barabbas and Christ, we see that this criminal, he deserved to die. Uh, the scripture tells us that he was a thief and he was a traitor. In Luke chapter number 23, verse number 18, it says, They cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, release unto us Barabbas. And then in parentheses in verse 19, he says, Who was, who for? a certain sedition, that's traitor, uh, made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. In Acts chapter number 3, verse 14, uh, speaking of Barabbas, uh, but ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you. And so we see that Barabbas deserved his justice that he was about to get. He was guilty of murder. Uh, justice called for him to die on that middle cross or one of the three crosses. I just assume uh, he was to be there in that third cross. But then Jesus was innocent on all charges that were brought against him. Matter of fact, as you read the the the, um, the uh, recollections of these gospel writers about the the crucifixion, you'll find that most of them, if not all of them, uh, they begin to tell how that false accusers came against Jesus, and one after the other, their their accusations they failed, and there was no proof, and finally there was one. Person Person, maybe two, I can't remember, uh, that they came against Jesus and said, this man said that he could tear down and rebuild the temple in three days. And that's all that they needed. Of course, Michael, we know that he was talking about his body, not that temple. Uh, but they took that upon themselves to believe uh, that he was uh, uh, speaking blasphemy about tearing down uh, the temple there in Jerusalem. Uh, we find in verse number 23 and verse number 24, 
24 of Matthew 27, that Pilate found no fault in him. He says, why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out, crucify him. Pilate said, I found out that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. And then we look over in Luke, and I'll not take the time to read it, but in Luke chapter number 23, verse 13, 14, and 15, that Herod returned him back to Pilate for the same reason. He said there's no reason that this man should die. There's there's absolutely no fault found, <coughs> found in him. But yet still, the crowd demanded that Jesus be delivered to the crucifixion and Barabbas be set free. And so if you'll help me this morning and you'll pray for me, I'll preach on the thought of the substitute. And number one, I want us to notice that Christ died as a substitute for Barabbas. Now we're going to be in a couple different scriptures this morning. And so if you'll just help me, I sure would appreciate it. But we find in Acts chapter number 3, verse number 14 and verse number 15. Uh, verse uh, 13, 14, and 15, it says, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son Jesus, whom ye delivered up. Now this is, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this is Peter preaching uh, to this religious group of people. And he says, you, He delivered them up and denied Him in the presence of Pilate when He was determined to let Him go. But ye denied the Holy One, we read this a moment ago, and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Now we find this in our text in verse number 26 that we've read twice so far that they released Barabbas unto them and when he had scourged Jesus he delivered him to be crucified. And so first we see that Christ died as a substitute for Barabbas. Uh, this was the just dying for the unjust. I believe Brother David mentioned this this morning, uh, but we first see in Romans 3.23 uh, in case you wonder if you might fall in that category of being the unjust, know that the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 3 verse number 10 it says that there is none righteous, no, not one. In Romans chapter number 6, verse number 23, we know that the wages of sin is death. But there is a gift of God, and that is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because there was none righteous, and because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, God prepared a way for you and I to receive God's glory. Amen. And so we see that there is the just dying for the unjust. We look at Romans chapter number 5. Uh, verse number 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And Brother David again, he mentioned that this morning. And I'm thankful to report today uh, that though uh, this is 2,000 years or so uh, removed, I'm glad to say in 2024, if I was lost without God, I would be cheered to no end, to know uh, that it being 
being unjust, being lost in my sin, of being on my way to hell, of that Christ, of through the eons past, of saw me in my shape and saw me as unjust, I decided to die for me. I would be cheered to no end, to know that the just died for the unjust. Amen. We look in first. Peter chapter number 3, verse number 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. I'm about to have a fit. Have the reason the just died for the unjust, our brother Curtis, so he could, Psalm 40, so he could pick us up out of the miry clay, out of the horrible pit, and set us upon a rock. And I'm glad that he could bring us to God. That's why he did it. And then he says, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Uh, This morning, I'm thankful uh, that Christ died in the place of sinners. We notice again this contrast of Barabbas and Christ. Uh, Barabbas was completely guilty, uh, whereas Jesus was wholly innocent. Uh, W-H-O-L-L-Y. I'm thankful that though he was on the cross of a sinner, though he became sin, though he became things for us, there was not one drop of sin found in his body. How there was no indignation. How there was no unrighteousness found in him. I understand that he bore the sin of the world. I understand that God could not look upon sin. And so he turned his face from him. I understand that that is why Jesus said, Ha Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, or why my God, my God, why hast thou created me? Or why hast thou forsaken me rather? But I want you to know today how that that too was all in the plan of God because he knew that his son must take upon himself the sin of the world, past, present, and future. And he did it all for you and I today. Amen. Consider the reputations of these two men. Verse number 16 of our text, and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Barabbas, this notable prisoner, he was, he was known for his crimes. He was known for his wickedness. I don't know if they had newspapers in the day, but if they did, he was on every front page news. He was, was on all the podcasts. Everybody was talking about him. Did you hear what Barabbas did? Did you hear the riot that he incited last week? I don't know if they'll ever catch Barabbas, but Surely if they ever do, he's going to be put to death. Surely if they ever do, he'll not last long. They're going to put him on death row. And he won't be there long. He's done, he's done wickedness. He's killed people. He's, he's, he's been a traitor. There's, there's no way that he'll ever last. But then we look at Christ. He was known for his purity. He was known for his holiness. He was not known for his sin because he was, there was no sin. He was not known for his wickedness because there was no wickedness in him. Isaiah, and as well as, I believe it was Peter, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. There was no guile found in him. Isaiah talked about that when he was buffeted, he he did not return that buffeting. And I'm thankful today that when we compare the two, although everyone must have thought that that Barabbas would never last in in prison or would never last long in prison. I'm glad that somewhere along the line, again, if they had newspapers, 
Maybe it might have said Barabbas set free. The Messiah took his place. The king of the Jews took his place. Jesus of Nazareth took his place. The innocent took his place. I don't know how it may have went down. I don't know how the story may have unfolded to the public. But Brother Terry, I'm glad that through the gospel and through the word of God, I'm glad that it's trickled down here to South Georgia and we can share with, with one another how that the, the innocent or the just died for the unjust. Amen. Then number two, there's the crowd called for Christ to die and Barabbas to live. And this is not alliterated, so I'm sorry. But we see the judgment of the crowd is often wrong. I remember my mama saying it, and I'd say every mama that's ever breathed good air has ever said it. If your friend jumped off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge? We had, in Palatka, we had the St. John's River. And a big old, I mean, big, huge bridge went over from Palatka to East Palatka. And I mean, it scared me. You get to the top of that thing, and I'm telling you, and she would say, and we used to live just on the foot of the bridge on the other side of East Palatka, and I'd get in trouble because I did something that my sister did, or I did something that my cousins or my friends did. And said, if they went and jumped off the, the, the I can't remember now, the Buckman Bridge, would you jump off the Buckman Bridge? And I'm like, no, I'm scared of Buckman Bridge. But there's truth in it. There's truth in it. I wouldn't put my faith in a crowd. This was a crowd, Brother Stanley, of religious people. They should have known better. But the crowd of religious people were the ones saying, crucify him. These were the ones that, that these Pharisees and these Sadducees, these scribes, these high priests, these were the ones that knew the prophecies of the Messiah. They knew the words of the prophets that there would come someone, a root out of dry ground, that someone would come from Bethlehem. But yet they denied all of those things. They denied Him. And the Bible... Let me see if I could see exactly where it is. I'm wanting to say it's in the Gospel of John. You'll just bear with me. Press pause if you need to. The Gospel of John, I believe it is. Wherever it is, it's in your Bible. You can read it somewhere. They... The these religious people, they set about talking to the crowd and told them to cry, crucify. You see, even the crowd of, of people, they weren't settled on what to do. But the religious people began to, to whisper, we want Jesus. Call for Jesus. And, and, and can I just push, can I just stop real quick and say, religion Y'all listen, religion, as a song, is not working. And I'll go one step further. It never has worked. Religion never has worked. And so we are talking about this yesterday, somewhere yesterday. If you think you're going to go to heaven because of some Bible verse that you know, you're wrong. If you think you're going to go to heaven because of what your mama or your daddy believes, you're wrong. If you think you're going to go to heaven because of maybe a church membership, 
you're wrong. The only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It is not holding on. Brother David mentioned this this morning when he was under conviction. He was holding on to his mama's coattail. Literally, he was doing that. And if you're doing that, I promise you, it's going to be too late. I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be part of the crowd. Wouldn't be part of the crowd that says, I'll do it later. Wouldn't be part of the crowd that says, well, you know, church is not all it's cracked up to be. I wouldn't be part of the crowd that says, well, you know, the Bible's not all, all, all it's cracked up. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put all, all my hope and all of my faith in, in the fact that, well, I don't like y'all, y'all like to shout and y'all like to cry and y'all like to sing real loud. That's just not me. I, I, you know, you know, I, I'm not even, I'm not even talking about worship styles today. But if you don't believe the truth of the Word of God and you turn your nose up at it, then you're in, we said it last, last week, you're in danger of hellfire. The crowd called for Jesus Christ to die. The crowd was even willing to endanger their future. If you look at verse number 25, the prior verses that we read, Pilate washed his hands and he says, I don't want his blood on me. So if y'all want him crucified, that's on you all. And they said in verse 25, then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. They even endangered their own children because of their hatred. We look at John chapter number 3, verse number 19. says, and this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There's some today that still would rather have Barabbas in the world than Christ in their heart. They would rather have darkness than light. Number 3. The death of Christ brought the release of Barabbas. We see it there in our text. Barabbas was released. Jesus was scourged. Jesus was crucified. Here we have a picture of Christ's death bringing salvation. Everything is coming to fruition now. Jesus has been scourged. Jesus is now, essentially, there's the picture of him on the cross. He's, he's led to be crucified. You continue to read in verse 27 down, you'll find that he's placed on the cross. You'll find that he's hanging there. You'll find that he dies and all of that in between. You find that he's then taken off the cross, placed in a tomb. But there's a picture here of Christ bringing our salvation Romans chapter number 5, verse number 8. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All my life I've heard that this word commendeth means demonstrated. And I don't disagree with it. But if we can kind of 
my English teacher just walked out so I can be stupid if I need to. If, if we can kind of break this down, there is a, there is a word there that is commend. When we hear it, well, I commend you for maybe something, for doing good, for a good job, whatever. Okay? But then there's also, it, it, it takes me to another word, recommend. Okay? In other words, you are, you are now saying, I urge you to take this thing, this person, or this place, and uh, I vouch for it, if you will. So that's kind of the idea here. And it says that God commendeth his love toward us. God is giving, he is demonstrating, he did that by his son being crucified, but he is saying, you'll never find another love like my love. You have a wife. Let's repeat Wednesday night. You have a wife, all right? That's a different type of love than God's love for you. You have a son. You have... You have a son somewhere else. That's a different type of love there. You love your brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's wonderful. But there's a different love when it comes to the love from God to us. And God loved us so much. Scripture says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, you've got to understand, I don't talk about sovereignty a whole lot. I don't talk about God's omniscience a whole lot. Because I don't want to get anybody confused. Because that word's been abused. But we might need to, we might need to reconcile that back to a godly definition. But you've got to understand God's sovereignty in this thing. Before you were ever born, Kurt, he saw you in that house running from that bullet. Before you were ever born, he saw you out in this graveyard at your wit's end. On that hill, Jesus died so that when you got to your wit's end, a choice could be made on your behalf. He already made his choice. I said he already made his choice. You get, don't get confused about God's sovereignty. God's so sovereign that He made His choice knowing everything that you would do and decided that He was going to send His Son for you. Now the ball's in your court. Now you get to decide, am I going to choose God? Am I going to choose light? Or am I going to stay in darkness? But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet Still, sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians 1, verse 4, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God the Father. Here we go. He's delivering us again. Titus chapter 2, verse number 14, Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. There's a picture of Christ's death in Matthew. There's a picture of Christ's death. Yes, it is a picture of Barabbas being set free, but it's a picture of you and I being set free by Christ. 
Today, you can place your faith in Christ. Don't, don't place it in the crowd. Everyone that's in here that is saved, they had to place their faith in Christ. Not in someone else, not in the preacher, not in anything or anyone else, but in Christ. They may have all said different words when they bowed their head to pray, but there was a belief in their heart, and there was repentance somewhere in their heart, and God heard that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If I could say it like this, there's only, and we can come up with steps if you want it, and we can make it easier, we can make it hard. And you can call me easy believism if you want to, and and, and I I can really think hard about punching you in the nose, and it don't matter to me. If I get really wiry, I will. But salvation is just as easy as this. Number one, God has to draw you. Because you're not, you're not, you're not just going to wake up one day and say, okay, God, I'm ready to get saved. God's got to draw you. The scripture says over and over and over and over again that you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Christ has already done the work. The Holy Ghost has come into this world to do His work, and that's to draw all men to Christ. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, God is showing His will. The Son did the work. The Holy Ghost is now, He is doing a work in the hearts of men. So there's nothing for you to do Outside of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, this is, I've struggled with this. I've struggled with this. I've always said, well, you've got to get down and you've got to repent of all your sin. And, you, and, and, and I believe repentance is necessary, but here it is. I'm going to say this and you can like it or lump it. I firmly believe that when you get, when God gives you that faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you ask God, God, will you save me? It may be that first step. It may be that first word. I believe in at that moment that God knows your heart and it's a heart that is repentant. I've heard people say that, oh, you gotta, you gotta go back and you gotta say, God, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, and, I, and just, I mean, spend 45 minutes asking God to forgive you of all these things that you've ever done. I believe in faith. When you pray and you ask God to save you, God's gonna know your heart. And He's gonna forgive you of those things because with faith, and you, I mean, let's just think about it. What does repent mean? It means to turn. Am I right, Brother David? It means to turn. And so, Miss Tanya, if God gives you faith, if God gives you faith to turn to Christ, okay, and you're going one way and you hear the Spirit calling and you turn to the Spirit, then essentially what are you doing? You are repenting. Now, here's where the little caveat is. There's some folks that they're praying prayers and they're cleaning up, but they're going back into the things that they've always done. And I think that's some false repentance. I don't know that they're truly saved. I can't say. That's only, that's only between God and them. 
I think what it is is their conscience is saying you shouldn't be doing that. And so they're, they're, they're running, they're running probably to the right place, but it's, it's, it's their own morals. It's, it's, it's not God that's drawing them. We find here that when Barabbas was set free <laughs> and Christ was put to death on Calvary, that this brought the release of Barabbas, but it also made possible the, the release of every other human being in the world. Benny, you're 10 years old now. A long time ago, on a hill that maybe you might never see, Jesus Walked up that hill, bloody, bruised, his beard pulled out of his face, had a crown of thorns all over his head, blood running all down his face. He laid his life down freely. He laid his life down freely for every person. But I need you to know, Benny, that he did that for you. Camden, you're seven, six, you're six. I need you to understand that Jesus Christ that you learn about in Sunday school and on Wednesday night and maybe at vacation Bible school and things like that, Jesus is not just um, a, a neat little picture on a coloring sheet, but Jesus Christ died for you so that you can live forever with Him. And the reason that He died is because in you, and in you and in me, there is sin. And if we die in our sin, then we have to go to hell. But Jesus died and he took our place. He paid the price for our sin so that when we go to him and we say, God, I trust you with my entire life. And Jesus takes us. Then he's, he does say you don't have to go to hell. But what he does is he frees us from sin. He frees us from the penalty of sin. He frees us from all of those things, Kurt. And when Jesus took Barabbas' place, he took everyone else's place. When that crowd cried, crucify they had no idea, Ashton. When that crowd said, give us Barabbas, they had no idea that Jesus was taking their place on the cross. When Pilate washed his hands, he had no idea, Stanley, that Jesus would, in a matter of hours, take his place on the cross. I want you to know today, and I'm not going to make any assumptions of who is and who is not saved. I want you to know today, under the sound of my voice, that Jesus took your place. You can rejoice in that or you can have regret of that. You can, you can find solace in that or you can find fear in that. But I want you to know today 
Before you leave this place, under the sound of my voice, I want you to know that Jesus took your place. He paid your penalty for sin. I told you before, the wages of sin is death. You do not have to die in your sin because Jesus provided a way. Because He took your place. In... 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, talks about this substitute. Talks about Jesus And he says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. He goes on in verse number six and says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I I feel the need this morning to ask and to say, are you saved? I'm not asking where your church membership is. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I told the men at Bible study yesterday, I got family members that they put way too much stock in water baptism. My hand up, I firmly believe that it is, it is, um, it is vital for your Christian faith, but it is not necessary for salvation. It is something that we should do, but it's not going to make you any more or any less saved. You may have been baptized in every pond in Americas. You might have been baptized in every church in Sumter County. And that's wonderful. I'm glad you had those experiences. But at the same time, I hate that you had those experiences because you're holding on to something that's going to send you to hell. Unless you've been baptized in Christ Jesus, as we read about in Romans chapter number 6 yesterday. When you get baptized in Christ and you're buried with Him and you're risen alive in Him, that means that you've been born again. That means you've trusted in Him. That means you've laid down your life to put your life in Him because He laid down His life. That means you got saved. Can I say it like that? That means, let me, let me try to put it in modern day terms. That means you've been converted. That mean, I'm just going to put it like, like us. We've been born again. Are you saved today? Are you trusting in something other than Jesus Christ? If so, I want to urge you today to get it right. Don't go out of this place today thinking that you're okay if your trust is not in Him. Barabbas, he had no idea. No idea who Jesus was. He had no idea of the transaction that was taking place. 
We have no idea of a transaction that took place from verse 26 on as far as Barabbas was concerned. We don't know that Barabbas turned around and said, thank you. We don't know any of those things. We do. I wish, I wish we did. Y'all come with a song of invitation. But I'll tell you this. On April 23rd, Of 1992, I was, I was set. I was in camp meeting. I was singing. I was with all the other boys. We was out preaching. We were doing our thing. I was agging on the preachers. I was sitting on the front pew. I was singing to the top of my lungs. Occasionally, I'd get up and I'd play guitar or I'd play the bass. I was playing the part. I'd been baptized. I'd made a profession of faith. Everything was hunky-dory. It was fine. I was a member of a Baptist church. I'd prayed a prayer. I knew some Bible verses. I had preachers sign my Bible. But on April 24th, in Palatka, Florida, listening to a message that would confuse the fool out of most of y'all, because it wasn't meant for y'all. It wasn't meant, I don't think it was meant for anybody in that sanctuary except for me. I don't know how many cassettes, you don't even know what that is, do you? I don't know how many cassettes they ran off of that one message. But I know I got one, Allie. And I listened to it five times on that Friday. I was mad that I was even there. I was mad because I had to be there. I wanted to be at camp. I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to be singing. I wanted to hear preaching. I wanted—I mean, I, I didn't want to be out partying. I wanted to be at church. But Brother Jody, as I was sitting there, and I was changing brakes on a logging trailer, and then I was cleaning tools, then I was eating lunch with my mom and my sister, then I was cleaning more tools and cleaning the shop. God spoke to my heart said, what you thought you were on April 23rd is not who you really are. See, on April 23rd, I was a pretty good church member. I had it all. But what God showed me on the morning and then the afternoon of April 24th is that I was a sinner and I was going to hell. And I couldn't trust in that prayer that I prayed at Hollister Baptist Church. I couldn't trust in that baptism that I got at New Hope Baptist Church. I couldn't trust in those guitar strings, those bass strings. I couldn't trust in what my daddy got in 1989. I couldn't trust in nothing, honey. And it was at that point, Miss Denisha, that my heart broke within myself. And I don't know how he done it. I don't remember the words, but Brother Jim, somewhere along the lines... God spoke to me and said, but my son took your place. You know the story. 
I dropped that inch and a quarter inch. And I went to the back bumper of my daddy's truck. And I did confess some things. Some of y'all know. Oh, there's some wicked things in my heart. And I had to get them out. I couldn't hold them inside and I began to weep and cry. I don't know, Michael. I don't know what I said. But I know that when I said amen, that weight of sin was no longer on my shoulders. God was no longer saying, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. He said, here you are. Here you are. And he said, here I am. So this morning, I'm not trying to be over the top. I'm not trying to be dramatic. But I want you to know, I understand what it means to be a church member. I understand what it means to be on the outside a pretty good old boy. But on the inside, there's some things hidden deep down that my own family don't even know about. So I want you to know, I know what it means. I wasn't an addict, I wasn't a dealer, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was a sinner. And I was going to hell, and I was going to hell on the front pew of a Baptist church. So I ask you again today, are you saved? Let's pray. Father, I love you. God, I ask you today that you take the message. Father, I pray that you take the Word of God. Not any attempt on myself, but take the Word of God. And I pray that you'd use it to draw with your Spirit someone to yourself today. God, I love you. Lord, and I love these people. I pray today, Lord, that you'd have your will. We give you the glory and the honor. We ask you to do a work. In Jesus' name, amen.